Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you're getting through the week, starting it off right. We got a great show planned for you. We're going to be looking at uh, ways to take a mental health break. Now, these are promised to have some interesting ones, and they're always trying to bring y'all little tips and tricks to bring in more self-care, rest, joy, pleasure into our difficult, complex lives. But I like to find things that are actually reasonable. I, I, I hate cliches. I hate cliches. I think because they're not impactful or powerful. Uh, we've either tried them or they haven't necessarily been meaningful for us or personalized enough. So we're going to drop into some ways to sneak mental health breaks throughout your day. And I think that's the key point of the topic is these are these are things that can be just woven in our day. Because a lot of times we'll talk about things like self-care, mental health breaks, uh, putting yourself first. And some of them are like, yeah, that's great and all, but how do, you know, they're reserved for the weekends <laughs> because they are just not things we can do in the middle of our day. Like, uh, you know go see some art. <laughs> so we're going to talk about this through the lens of things we can kind of just drop and scatter throughout our busy, busy, busy lives. Uh, busier. I, I don't even know how we're doing all that we're doing. I think I look at each generation and think, wow, it just got more complicated. Uh, things are not getting simpler. I think technology does at times make things simpler, but I think what it really does is make productivity more intensified. I, I think everything that happens technologically somehow often gets used and we weaponize it and use it against ourselves. Now we are expected to be and allow ourselves to be immediate, immediately and always accessible, right? That's the technology piece. And boundaries don't even exist anymore. I, I lovingly share those times that are not well known by some of our listeners because of you know their age. But for those of us that are on the older end of the spectrum, we remember back in those days where the only way you could reach us was by calling our landline at home. If we were out in the world, we could not be reached. And if we took that phone off the hook because it was dinner time or nighttime, it couldn't reach us. And we got through our lives somehow. Now you're expected to be available around the clock on weekends, nighttimes, people will email you, call you, text you. Um, I, as I keep saying on the show, I'm trying to be less and less accessible. It's not good for my mental health, but also not good for my physical health. I found out I had some heart issues and high blood pressure. And part of that was the, uh, consistent accessibility from all the different projects I'm a part of all the different people in my life. And I had to start setting a boundary so that I could let my system settle down. I realized everything coming in all the time. And because of the work I do, I was always hyperactivated and I was constantly in a stress state. And I needed to remove things that were able to interrupt my attempts to just be calm and settled and soothed and just focused on my own private life. 
which we are, have to be allowed to have. So I'm always advocating for people to be keep their phones off unless you're waiting for emergency calls uh, around dinner time. Turn it off, put it in a drawer, and maybe don't even check it for the rest of the night. Check it again in the morning, unless you're an emergency worker or maybe a parent with a younger child or whatever else might be going on in your lives. Uh, because I hate the fact that we have to talk about ways to sneak mental health breaks in, because that's what we're really talking about, which means we're prioritizing things that aren't our mental health if we have to find ways to center our mental health and also ways to sneak it in, which means it's not really valued. Uh, and we have to start valuing it. And I want to encourage people to not need to have a physical broken leg or, you know, literally blood dripping out of their eyes to feel as though they can set a boundary, take a day off, spend some time on the couch or whatever it is. Mental health issues, feeling overwhelmed, feeling anxious, feeling depressed are reasonable reasons. I don't think you can speak like that. Reasonable reasons. They're all very reasonable occurrences. <laughs> Can't put sentences together as to why we should be starting to do some of this. Okay, so what does that mean? What does that look like? But before we get into it, just to remind you all, we will be doing our DMs at some point as always. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG break. Uh, Loveline IG page. <laughs> it's going to be one of those shows, but that's okay. So I love this one. Now, these are going to be small things. And for a lot of them, it's not necessarily always what we're doing, but it's how we're doing it, how we approach something. Because a lot of the processes or activities in our lives have the potential of being something that's used in terms of a little mental health break if we approach it in a calm, soothing, present way versus rushing it. I caught myself the other night breaking one of my own rules. I, I run fast. Any listener of the show is not surprised to hear that. I think fast, I talk fast, I move fast. Uh, and there's no right speed to think, move, or talk. And that's part of my own work of accepting my own neurodivergence, which means not everyone has the normal brain. Not everyone has a very calm, regulated brain. For some of us, we have a different brain. We might be autistic, have Asperger's, ADHD, uh, hypermanic at times, hypomanic. There's, that's not a disorder. That's a difference. It's just a difference. Nothing that's broken, nothing that needs fixing. That's right. Autism isn't being broken, isn't needing fixing. It's a different kind of brain. And people with a different kind of brain need caring and understanding. They need support. They shouldn't be shamed and told they need to act like neurotypical people, aka people without any kind of, you know, neuro difference. Um, they should be accommodated and cared for and supported. And that's luckily the family I was raised in. Instead of being told I had ADHD and <clears throat> you know attention problems and being medicated, my parents were like, well, school's boring and he's a child and he's not supposed to be able to sit still. And we're gonna actually instill confidence and tell him to just be himself. And if he's feeling a lot of anxiety or energy at school, to go for a walk, to go to the bathroom, to work with it, to not shame it. All right, we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna come back and talk about mental health breaks. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right y'all we are back and we're talking about mental health breaks but before the break i was also talking about the difference between being neurotypical and neurodivergent uh, neurotypical versus being neurodivergent, neuroqueer, neurodiverse. It's all just to say that living in the world differently um, isn't necessarily a disorder. It's just a difference. And if we could see it that way and give people confidence and, and understand how they work and move through the world and meet them where they're at, well, we'd reduce a lot of shame and we'd help other people come forward and ask for the accommodations they need. And we'd start to normalize the acknowledgement that there's different kinds of people in the world with different brains, different communication styles. You know, we used to think that, and you know, the neurodivergent movement is really born out of the autism rights movement where traditionally autistic people are seen as broken, um, needing fixing and, Oh, what a difficulty for the parents. Oh, you know, they've been cursed and yeah, having a child that has a different kind of brain, uh, a neurodivergence, a neurodifference is for some complicating factor. I'm not, I'm not denying any of that, but what matters most is the individual themselves first and foremost and how we treat this person. And everyone is worthy of respect and people, no one is broken. No one needs fixing. People are just different and need different accommodations and different supports. And that's a really important distinction to make. And I was just sharing with y'all that I was raised in a family where they celebrated my differences. And they said, Chris, talks fast, he moves fast, he does things fast. Yes, we could pathologize that and say he's supposed to be slow like most people and put him on medications, but that's not gonna be good for his self-esteem and we don't wanna put that little forming brain on meds. And we're gonna instead ask the world to meet him where he's at and work with him. And so um, I was really thankful for that. 
And I continue to move and build a career on thinking fast, talking fast, processing fast. And I'm thankful that my parents didn't shame that and try to make me look or perform like a neurotypical person, a person with this magically standard brain that no one I've ever met actually has. We all have a lot of differences and it's my built a career on it that having a difference is not a disorder. Um, a lot of people in the feminist therapy movement, a lot of people in the neurodiversity movement, a lot of people in the disability rights movement and, um, a lot of people that are trauma-informed, we don't use diagnostic terms anymore. We don't use words like personality disorder. We know that that's a result of trauma. These are victims. We don't blame them. Those terms are weaponized. And a lot of us don't even believe in terms like ADHD. It's a different kind of brain. And those individuals have differences, and we help them learn how to work with them. But we don't apply these pathologizing labels. I don't use any labels with any client or patient in my practice ever. We just talk about the behaviors, and I instill confidence. We talk about the strengths and the deficits. Everyone's brain has strengths and deficits and we help them capitalize on the strengths and we help them reduce some of the negative impacts of the negatives and the struggles, but they all have, they all are worthy of care. <clears throat> all that to say is I want us to be better about letting each other be where we are. And that this whole conversation is just coming out of talking about mental health breaks and how we're all gonna need something different. And I want everyone to get the accommodations they need, which is why I talk a lot about equity, not equality. Equality means everyone gets the same thing, but that's actually victim blaming, and that's actually ableist, and that's actually violent. Some people need more things. <laughs> Shorter people need a taller chair. People that use or are wheelchair users or disabled need ramps. Uh, some people need more time to take a test because of the way their brain processes. Some people have anxiety disorders and need more time to maybe take a test. Some people due to what would be called by others ADHD, I don't use those terms, might need more accommodations with being on time. And they do need to be given extra time to arrive. Everyone needs something different. We can never say everyone gets the same thing or they did it, why can't you? Why? Because I'm not them and they're not me. We have different brains. Just like if you saw someone on crutches and someone without, and the person without crutches was able to walk faster and show up on time, I don't think you would shame the person on crutches who's doing their best to move fast but can't for not getting there on time. You'd understand that it's difficult getting in and out of a car and accessing stairs while using crutches, but our brains need that same accommodation. And so everyone needs something different. So the question is, what does this person need? Everyone can't be expected to do the same thing. How does that happen? show up in the classroom? This is a really important topic for teachers. Your each child learns different and needs something different. I did. I couldn't have the same expectations placed upon me that were placed upon the other classmates. Um, uh, to do otherwise was to be not trauma-informed and was to be oppressive. I needed accommodations, absolutely. A lot of us do. Uh, and jobs have to find that, that, have to figure that out as well. Some people are up all night long caring for a newborn. Some people are up all night long with an anxiety disorder. Some people are waking up in a depression and they have to be given accommodations, showing up to work late, working from home, uh, being able to call out due to that mental health struggle, just like the accommodation they would get if they called in saying, my leg got crushed. I physically can't walk. We'd be like, oh my God, we get it. But we don't do that same thing when someone calls in saying, I'm having a panic attack or I'm depressed today. We're like, figure it out and get to work. Well, if you wouldn't say that to someone with a crushed leg or on crutches, we can't say that to someone's mental disorder or disability. I don't use the word disorder, mental difference, mental struggle. We need to accommodate in that way. So I'm just gonna keep advocating for that. Teachers, employers, um, people that are putting events together. It can't be 8 p.m. start time, everyone be there. That is not a reasonable expectation for everyone mentally. Sorry, it just isn't. And we should put people first, not just being on time as some ethic 
that means more than people and how they feel and the impact. People have to mean more than these rules and whatnot. Those aren't real. Um, all of this born out of the topic of uh, how to sneak in mental health breaks. I wish we didn't have to sneak them in. I wish we could openly ask for them or do it, but we can't. And that's where this topic comes from. And so just wanted to kind of call that out behind the scenes, that those caveats bum me out, that these are little tips and tricks to weave in there because we can't just openly ask for what we need. I want to live in a world... And again, everyone's all hashtag mental health, happy mental health awareness day. Let's talk about suicide prevention. This is part of it. If you don't like everything I just said or throws you off, well, then you're not a mental health advocate. You really aren't. You're not a safe space for the diverse sets of brains and psychologies that live in the world. So check that a little bit. Um, it's really important that we start to do that. We'll talk more about it. But when we come back, we'll sadly look at these ways that you kind of sneak them in. And it disheartens me because they shouldn't have to be snuck in. They should be able to be given and offered and recognize, but um, we don't live in a perfect world yet. We're working on it though. Mental health is getting more attention. And then of course we'll be sliding into those DMs. So stick around y'all, we'll be right back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about ways to sneak in mental health breaks. Again, I hate that they have to be snuck in. I hate that, that they have to carry a little shame or guilt around them. I want people to proudly do these things and ask for them. I want them to be offered. I want it to be acknowledged. Whenever I do a lecture, I always say, if anyone, I always say, I want y'all to get your needs met. I understand that not everyone can just sit there in those chairs, sitting upright, staring at me, talking at them for six hours today. So I say to them things like, if you need to sit on the floor, please do that. If you need to get up and lean against the wall, do that. If you need to go for a walk, do that. Take care of yourself. Give yourself what you need. Honor yourself. That's how we are mental health advocates and allies. It's also how we are body positive. Body positivity is not just about your body shape and size. It's also about your abilities or lack thereof and how you accommodate and support that, how you talk to yourself about that. I want all teachers and employers to say that, hey, I can't have the same expectation on everyone. So during this meeting or during whatever, if you need to sit on the floor, stand up, walk around the room, take a break, come back in, please get your needs met. Um, you're not all clones or robots and we're living in a world where we're trying to be more mental, mental health centered. So please ask for what you need. And if it's not possible, ask me and I'll try to make that happen. Um, but ways to sneak in mental health days, mealtime. I believe everyone gets a lunch break. Although I hear those stories about Amazon workers peeing in bottles because they don't have the ability to take a break to use the bathroom. So that's a problem. But for those that are in a healthier environment, because that is completely heinous, heinous and dehumanizing and the ACLU should step into that. I know that we're all looking at that. Um, how, well, how you encounter your meal time is going to be important. That's your time. That is either paid or not paid. I guess that depends on where you're working, but I want you to really take that time. And I was saying earlier, I caught myself. I had started to tell myself that I was spending less time on my phone and that everything can wait. But I was also trying to tell myself to <clears throat> care for myself more by when I'm eating, create an environment. Instead of eating on the fly as though that doesn't matter and I don't matter, take that time to be more present with myself and in my life. And I was sitting down at the table. What? Not on the couch or in front of the television or walking around? Yeah, that's right. Imagine that. I said, I'm going to actually take this time for myself. I'm going to sit calmly at the table. I'm going to eat the food that I prepared. And I've been doing that. And it's been feeling good. It's a, it's a moment of um, meditation. It's meditative for me. It's mindful. I'm just sitting calmly and quietly. But I caught myself the other day 
kind, I don't even know how to explain it because it, it was conscious, but it was very quick. And I kind of was just like recognizing I should do that. I usually do that. And I just stood there and I was eating quickly because I thought it was more important to get through my food so I could unload the dishwasher. And I thought, what am I doing? That is not, that should not be how the priorities go. I'm, I'm, I'm nourishing myself, but I also deserve to take how long does it take to eat a bowl of food? 20 minutes, 15 minutes, I eat fast. I was like, I deserve that time. These are dishes, they can wait. They can even wait till tomorrow. They can even wait probably the next week. But we start to get caught up in that. I wanna perform perfect person, or I'm living with someone, I'm in a relationship, we live together. I wanna to perform perfect you know, homemaker or partner. And I was like, what, why? Like this matters, I matter. Who knew that it's a radical act to just give yourself that time to eat your meal and eat your meal in peace and to eat it in a way that's comfortable and gives you that time. So take your break, even if you don't want to, take it. Take it to eat slowly. Take it to eat something you want to eat. If you don't want to eat or you've already eaten or whatever that is, take that time to yourself. Don't, don't overvalue being more productive. That, that, that hour that you might have put in instead of eating, sometimes that's necessary and it hurts my heart that we live in a world where that hour matters like that. But if it truly doesn't, don't truly let it. I'm telling everyone, don't work 100% anymore. Stop trying to be perfect. Work to 60 or 70%. Do good enough. Do good enough that you feel good about the job you're doing, but you're not burning yourself out because nothing's worth burning ourselves out. We never get the glory. We're often very replaceable. We put in a lot of work, but if something goes wrong, we're booted on the fly and we're replaced the next day. But yet we put our heart and soul into things that don't have meaning and that really we're even not even acknowledged within always. So drop the bar a little bit. Like it doesn't, it, these things have to matter less. I'm talking about grades. I'm talking about job performance. I'm talking about work at home. Like we have to let go a little bit. We have to do a little less. We have to stop stressing so much. The dishes can sit there. We can take that hour to ourselves. We, we don't need to be A++. We can do Bs in school. I want, I, you know, I don't have kids right now. And if I choose to, I want to raise them to focus on being a, better, a good person first. And that tests aren't everything. And that tests do not in any way speak to their success. And yes, that's part of getting into a college if that's what you want. And even if you want to go to that kind of college, that doesn't necessarily promise or have to mean anything. I'm trying to drop the bar down and come back to basics and focus on mental health. Not, I, I, y'all, if you sat in my office and you heard what I heard and what I hear, how people are just, their marriages are falling apart, their families are falling apart, they're detached from themselves, they're depressed because they're hung up on grades and work productivity, things that don't matter. School doesn't love you back. School doesn't even know your name. That job will replace you in the fly. But your family needs you. You need yourself. And that's where just taking this break, this mindfulness, this stuff is important. This can be a game changer for someone. It's also why I'm always talking about pleasure activism. Are you comfortable in the clothes you're wearing? Are you comfortable in the chair you're sitting in? How about the lighting? Like, let's prioritize ourselves. All right, we're gonna take a break do some DMs, and then we'll get back to it. So stick around, y'all. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all. We are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, this one says, Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Hannah, and I've been seeing my girlfriend, Britt, for a year. She lives with her roommate and best friend, Frankie. But Frankie's kind of a mess. Always bringing girls home to party, always drinking. 
smoking weed, which is cool. Britt enjoys it too. Recently, I've been studying a lot and trying to focus and get another job, so I haven't been going over as much as I would like to. Since I've been focusing more on me, Britt's been pretty short, standoffish. Usually she's all on her phone at parties, and now when I text her, she said she left her phone upstairs or whatever excuse she gives me. I trust her, but her behavior's getting a little odd. I definitely don't trust Frankie. How do I address these concerns? Again, as always, how? By doing it calmly, honestly, clearly, and directly. That's always the answer, y'all. Always the answer when someone says, how do I do it? Lovingly, calmly, directly, and clearly. But it's hard. That's usually what we really mean is this is going to be hard and I just need to talk about and get some motivation. So here's your motivation. If we care about someone and we're in a relationship with them, our commitment is that we're going to bring up issues lovingly and transparently so we can talk about them. So you have to bring this up. Britt, what's different now? I know I've been working, focusing on other things, not as available. And uh, you seem to somehow been impacted by that. And I feel like your availability and the way you're acting and responding to me is quite different. Can you tell me what's going on? Pose it to her as a question because that's what it is. You're trying to understand what's going on and only she can tell you. I have no idea. She might feel bad. She might feel left out. She might feel like you're ignoring her, but you have to pose it to her so she can tell you and then you can figure out a solution. Like, hey, you're still important to me. I know that you're used to more attention. Uh, let's plan a, a date night. That's a standing date every week. Let's still make sure we FaceTime every night to say goodnight. Let her know how long you know this this study or whatever this time apart might be. Do you have to be more 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 clear about it? And um, I want to advocate for you also maybe discussing the influence that you think Frankie might be having on her if you do think that that's the case and you're seeing signs of that. And just talk about that. It's okay for you to say, I think Frankie's a really good person, but his partying habits sometimes make me uncomfortable. And you can also lovingly say, and I trust you, but yet sometimes the way you know you aren't as available, I wonder what might be going on or happening. Don't be accusatory because we don't know. Be inquisitive, be curious, ask these questions. But again, what means more to me is that you're working on building the kind of relationship where you can ask these questions, where you can vulnerably and transparently discuss what you're thinking and feeling and needing. And this is just one of many times we will need to do that. And so it's time to practice that because you're asking me how to do it, which tells me you're not familiar with it. And like I said, the way you do it is just by doing it. <clears throat> and it's gonna make you anxious. So it makes it so meaningful. Intimacy building generally does make us anxious. But if you care about this person, you got to start talking about these things. But I applaud you for stepping away and focusing on things that are important to you. Um, I don't know what's going on with Frankie. Maybe as the time, space, and energy to party. Maybe it's not doing anything negative to his life and then more, more power to him. God bless. Do your thing. Or maybe it, it is negative. I don't know. But it's more about you and your relationship with Britt. So bring it up. Calmly talk about it. Let her know you care about her and you need to understand what's going on. And then sit and listen to what she says. Don't be defensive and try to find a solution nothing bad is happening. It's just that things are feeling off and the solution should be probably just about needing to talk and then reconnect. I don't imagine anything more than that's going on, but we don't know until we go to the source. That's always what we need to do. Have a one-to-one -one conversation. If you're wondering something about someone, you have to go to them and we need to get better at having that skill set. You know, it's not familiar to all of us. So we need to work on improving that, feeling more confident in that because being in a relationship means having to have really difficult conversations. And if we can't even have this one, I worry that you can't have the other ones. And so this is a way to start to have a more adult relationship, having difficult conversations. And in doing so, you're also communicating that to her. You're saying, I want us to be that couple. Notice I'm coming to you. I want you to be able to come to me. And now we're practicing that. So good luck. Do it ASAP though. Don't wait. Um, DMs, y'all, come from the DMs on our Loveline IG page. In those DMs, drop them in there. Any questions you got, someone else might be wondering that as well. You're helping them and also, 
Topics you want us to cover, happy to hear from you. Something you want us to circle back and drop deeper into, we're down to do it. And uh, past episodes, check out what else has happened. Uh, you go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. We'll be back though, so stick around. More gems to come. Uh, Gotta take a little music break. And while you're doing so, just focus on a little rest and self-care. I wanna keep reminding everyone, we're getting a little caught up. We're always trying to go at the speed of light, but we need to be slowing down, slowing down, coming back to ourselves. Um, Anyway, taking a break. We'll be back. Come join us. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We are back and we're talking about a big topic. We're talking about a small topic within a big topic. We're talking about a small topic that has big ramifications tied to it. So we're really looking at how we start to, you know, again, the, the topic, and this is some articles I'm reading ways to sneak mental health breaks throughout your day. And I was just so bothered by the concept that we have to sneak them in and that no one even called out that part of it. Why are we, why are we allowing a world where mental health breaks have to be snuck in, squeezed in? That means mental health isn't being prioritized. That means we still have shame about it. I want us to be able to openly acknowledge, hey, I'm taking a mental health break. I know I usually sit here and shove my lunch down while we do work stuff, but I'm actually gonna take that hour or that half an hour and go sit and do something that feels soothing or self-care related. Like sit in my car and listen to music, go for a walk and get fresh air, run an important errand, just go sit on the phone and talk to someone, watch maybe a few funny videos on my phone, eat my food. That's, that's impressive to me. That to me is courage. Courage and imp- I'm not impressed by people that are like, look at how hard I work. I have an ulcer and anxiety disorder. And my family never sees me, but look at how hard I'm working. Huh? You mean you're burning and losing your life to help someone else make money off your labor? That's not impressive to me. You know, your new car is not impressive to me. Your gym body and, and rock hard abs aren't impressive to me. What's impressive to me is living in the world that we live in when you center your mental health and your relationships and your self-care, head blown. When people tell me that, I'm still blown away and impressed. I'm still trying to do my best with that and and not always killing it. I was telling you in the earlier break before the DMs that I caught myself just shoving down some food because I thought it was more important to empty the dishwasher. What world are we living in or am I living in where we actually think those ways? But a lot of us do. I'd rather go to someone's home and see the laundry stacked up for days, but see them sitting there calmly, happy, connected with their family, having fun. And I'll, I, you know, it's, it's interesting the little lessons that are embedded in small, strange places. Y'all remember um, Wife Swap? For those that don't know, it was this really, really wild show of them swipping, swapping moms. Take a mom from one family, drop in another person's house for like a week or something just to see how the other, you know, other people live. And I never will forget this one. I, it's on um, some streaming network right now and I stumbled upon it and... I don't know. It's nothing I can really watch, but I watched one of them out of uh, nostalgia. And one mom who's hyper-regulated, everything's mapped out and scheduled, and the house is meticulous. You could eat off the floor at any time. And then, a, and then that mother's stuffed into the home of someone who's more casual. They would have said things like, messy, dirty. I see it as more casual, more centered in family and fun, and that's beautiful to me. Um, as you saw, the regulated mom who's performing good mom, good family, everyone's hairstyled, they're well-dressed, their house is meticulous. They were miserable. 
There was no mental health in that. They were over-controlled, over-structured, and miserable, and they were trying to perform good family, but they weren't. They had no relationship with each other. They were all disconnected, and they were miserable. Well, the quote-unquote sloppy family had their mental health intact. They were kind. They were all happy. They liked each other. They did things together. They laughed. The other family was miserable, uptight, cranky, and didn't like each other. But the sloppy, messy family, who actually prioritized family time and fun and self-care, were, the, were a joy to be around. Even uptight mom was influenced and learned a lot in that world. Be that world. Be that world that's mental health centered, that cares more about your family than getting the dishes out of the dishwasher, that doesn't get hung up on routine and having your kids forced into performing good kids by having a rigid structure and all these activities. But yet they're detached from themselves. They're burnt out. They're tired. They have no connection to their family and they feel controlled. That isn't what we're trying to do. And that was a really big reminder that it's impressive in our world for people that are more centered in self-care, more centered in mental health, more pleasure-centered, put their family first, and that they check in on the quality of their parenting based on the relationship they have with their kids. Isn't that really what tells us you've been a good parent when you have a good, close, healthy relationship with your children and that you've made them and, and influenced them into being good people with good values or they're not hung up on how, how our home looks as much as what kind of people are we within that home? I'm not advocating for dirtiness. We want to be clean. I want children to be in a clean home. But there's a difference between that and this over-regulation, over-controlling and the performance piece. It's not mental health. So when I see an article about sneaking in mental health breaks, yeah, my little therapist hair stands on its end. So I was talking about mindfully eating a meal. Take, take that time. You know, do something meaningful with that time. Take, take all that downtime you can take. Uh, what are the other things that they talked about that were sneaking in mental health breaks? I hate that concept because that implies we should have to sneak, that we should have shame. Taking a walk at lunch, we already talked about that. Connecting with your loved ones. Improve your mood by checking in on your loved ones. Send your husband a quick text, they say. Step outside and give your parents a call. Or say hi to a roommate online. Yeah, I'm down with that. <laughs> I like this one, though. I thought this was interesting. Another way to sneak in mental health breaks throughout your day take advantage of red lights on your commute. That's the kind of world we're living in where we're trying to capitalize on the few seconds we get sitting at a red light. That hurts my heart because we got to squeeze it in on the way to work. Dear God, what is going on? Our priorities are backwards. Here's the quote. When you're driving or taking the bus, use every red light as a mental health break. When you stop at a red light, instead of engaging in the usual thoughts about running late or wishing the traffic would hurry up, take it as an opportunity to relax. Good luck with that. Depends on where you're heading as to whether or not that's going to work. All right, y'all. We got to take a little break. We're going to come uh, come back to keep talking about mental health and then slide into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveline IG page. But we'll be back, y'all. Stick around. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about how to squeeze in mental health breaks. I always share with y'all endlessly how it bums me out that we have to have shame and guilt and squeeze them in because it's not carved out, allowed, supported, or given to us freely. So what are the ways that we do that? Do a brain dump. You know how people do a photo dump? They'll just post a bunch of photos in a row, just kind of letting you know where they've been that week, that day. Yep, do a brain dump. I'm not really sure what that means. So here's what they say. Racing thoughts, feeling scattered. Those are signs of stress. Well, yeah, we know that. Uh, it says if sometime during the day you notice your thoughts moving faster than normal, or if you can't focus, try pulling out a blank notebook page. Write down everything you're thinking. 
Jot down all the tasks on your minds, concerns you're having. Keep writing till you're done putting it all down. By putting it on paper, you're giving your mind the freedom to move on from worrying. I think it actually can help. I know that helps with some people sleeping. They feel as though they're going to forget it. They need to do something with it. And sometimes writing it out in a notepad, whether in your phone or on paper, is a way to do something with it. You know it's been dealt with, handled, and attended to. And you're you know, confident you'll come back to it. And so sometimes that's it. We need to discharge that energy and work with it and start to engage it. Um, if it's an email or text you have to send in the morning, maybe you text it out on your notepad and you're like, there, I got my thoughts down. I'm not going to send it right now, but I can revisit in the morning. Or you need just need to write a quick to-do list. Or sometimes you just need to quickly process or work through something. So I actually do like that, doing a brain dump. It's basically journaling or processing or kind of clearing your mind of any thoughts before bed. I'm here for that one. I think that's great. Another way you can squeeze in a mental health break, listen to your favorite podcast on your way to or home from work. Listening, they said, to something you're interested in will improve your mood and help you reset before coming home. You can even maybe listen to a book on tape. I like that. Uh, I do like the transition. We have to transition from work to home life. We want to honor that and do something meaningful in that time so that we don't come in hot and unfortunately bring that energy from work into our family's home when they're just neutrally sitting there happy to see us or maybe you are coming home to some stressors. It's a good way to kind of reorient your brain or ground yourself in the ways you want to think. The world doesn't offer us via song, music, articles, and Facebook. It doesn't offer us a lot of positive thinking and not positive thinking as in always think positive, but like better reframes, better narratives, you know, interesting ways to work with our lives. It doesn't, we don't often get that. We get flooded with a lot of really, you know, promotions and consumerism and materialism and blah. So we often have to seek those things out. It's an important part of our general mental health. What are you reading? Make sure you're reading some things that are rooted in this. Make sure you're listening to some things that are rooted in this. Make sure you're following some social media that's rooted in some of this. You want to have some of your, you know, candy rounded out with some fruits and vegetables in the mental health sense or social media sense. You don't want just your whole feed to be candy. There's got to be some fruits and vegetables in there, something nourishing, something challenging, something thoughtful. So I kind of like that. Um, what else? How do we sneak it in? Got to sneak it in. Do something that cues your brain to transition from work to relaxation. I guess we were kind of talking about that. Set an out of office message that says you're unavailable until the next business day. I love that. Have a shower to stimulate the washing away the stressors at work. I do that. Go for a walk, have a glass of water, play some music. I'm a big fan of the music. I often, between tough sessions while I'm seeing patients or on the way to something or home from something, I'll often play music to reset my nervous system, to soothe me, to put me in a more neutral space or a happier space, or the opposite, to kind of amp me up, get me energized, get me ready to step into the game if I'm going into something important. So music is a really good tool to help us transition, to help us work with and through our mood. We don't talk enough about that. It's often a lot of focus on breathing, our thinking, our emotions, um, even spirituality, but music is often left out. And I think that that could be a really beautiful supplement or complement to whatever other processes or tools we have. Um, I think this one's kind of cool. Block off mental health moments in your calendar. That's interesting. One way to ensure that you take some time recharging is to schedule it. Commit to a break time every day. Put it in your work calendar. This is a quote from someone. For example, my morning is my sacred space to plan, create, and strategize for the day. I rarely ever take a Zoom meeting before 8 a.m. Hold on a minute. <laughs> Did you just hear what they said? That, that's their big deal. Not before 8 a.m. Well, okay, what? You were gonna otherwise take five and 6 a.m. ones? Like, that's ridiculous. 8 a.m., maybe don't take a Zoom meeting before like nine or noon, depending. That just... 
hit me like a load of bricks before 8 a.m. Good Lord. Uh, but they say a little bit more. They say maybe uh, block off your break in whatever way works for you. Make 11 to 11.15 your time for a mindful cup of tea. Set 6 p.m. aside maybe for a 20-minute walk with your dog or 2 p.m. when you play your favorite song. I like that. I have clients that set timers to remind them to do things and to do it mindfully to make sure it's built in. So I'm not mad at that. I think that's good to set you know a certain every day, a 20-minute, 15-minute, and really ritualize using that for something. Um, here's another way to squeeze into mental health break. Switch to analog. I don't know what that means. Me, uh, may also, what does that mean? May, I don't know. Uh, screen free activity. Whenever you need a break, instead of grabbing your phone, pick up a notebook. Oh, I see what you're saying. Get off, get off your computer, get off your phone. Uh, pick up a notebook instead. Needing a knitting needle, some yarn, work on your craft. That's kind of a mess. Um, I like this one. Do small stretches. You know, we learn that through trauma work that often we need to discharge energy. And so sometimes settling down with breathing and posture is the opposite of what we need. Sometimes we need to discharge. We need to work it through, work it out. We need to just lean against the wall, do some push-ups. We need to just do some quick jumping jacks. Maybe we need to go for a run, a jog around the house. No lie. Do a couple loops around the house. Maybe we need to go for a walk. Sometimes we need to move. Sometimes it's not about settling and soothing. Sometimes it's about discharging. So activity could be really good. Stretching can be a big part of that, especially if you're standing for most of the day. Another reminder, take 21 breaths. That's an interesting one. The idea of sitting for a 45-minute meditation can sound daunting for many. I'm one of those. So instead, take 21 breaths as a quick way to get centered. It's interesting. Meditation has many health benefits. We know that. This meditation takes less than a minute. It can be done anywhere. Close your eyes. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. Each in and out counts as one rep. The more you do it, the easier it gets, and you want to go for 21. That's interesting. All right, I'm here for that one. Breath is a good way to slow down our system, shut down some of the you know cortisol pumping through, eases us, so I'm down with that one. Um, all right, we're gonna take a little break. We'll come back, keep talking about, I think, yeah, we only have one left. Keep talking about ways to uh, squeeze in that mental health break, because you know, we just gotta squeeze it in. <laughs> all right, y'all, stick around. We'll be back You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back and we're just finishing out our conversation about ways to squeeze in a mental health break. Uh, a lot of these are actually pretty good. I like the 21 breaths. A lot of people can't sit for a long meditation. Just do 21 breaths, one in, one out. That counts as one. Doing 21 of them, it's quicker than you think. Gets easier with practice. Don't overwhelm yourself, but that's a good thing. Uh, we talked about setting a reminder on your phone every day for that 15 or 20 minutes where you do something, kind of ritualizing it. I like that. Here's another good reminder with the phone, and we'll kind of, this is the last little one. Set a reminder on your phone to ask yourself what you need. I like that. A lot of us are disconnected from our bodies. We don't know what we're feeling, where we're feeling it, and our emotions are important because they tell us what we need. They tell us where we're at, what we're feeling. Oftentimes, we default to the same kind of self-care. It doesn't fit what we need. So I like this. Twice a day, set aside time to pause and ask yourself, what do you need? Do I feel lonely? then don't force yourself to go for a walk. Instead, you'd reach out to a friend. Feeling tired? Go outdoors, get some breath, get some fresh air, get some vitamin D. Simple reminders. See, I like that. Helps us check in. Helps us remind us that we have needs. Helps us remind us that we're allowed to have needs. But asking what the need is helps us really get it met. And that's where people confuse things. Sometimes you're not horny, you're bored. Sometimes you're not horny, you're lonely. Sometimes you're not angry, you're lonely, you need to call someone. Sometimes you're not tired. Sometimes you just need some meditative rest. You don't need sleep, you need rest. And that's why I love asking ourselves when we feel something, what am I feeling? Giving it a name. 
it helps direct us. Cause let me say, what, what would that emotion then require? It's also important to say, where do I feel that in my body? Get us in our body because we'll feel feelings, certain ones in the same places in our body. And sometimes just that sense in our body is the way that we are directed towards an emotion or a feeling. And then we can ask ourselves what the need is within that. It's how we get more connected to ourselves. A lot of people instead are just constantly grabbing for more coffee, you know, just laying down on the couch and putting on a movie. And you're not really getting the need met because you're not asking yourself what it is you need. So I really like that. It sounds so simple, but that's actually pretty game changing in terms of mental health. Um, but again, the bigger topic is I don't want us to feel like we have to squeeze them in, stuff them in, rush them. I want mental health to be something that's more centered and prioritized where we can openly discuss it because that gives other people both permission to do it themselves and also reminds them that it's important to do. And maybe that's all they needed to be reminded that that is possible and that they should do it. But then again, like I said, you doing it also gives them the confidence and permission to do it. It normalizes, which goes back to early days of COVID when I was saying to everyone, ask people how their mental health is. Don't just say, how are you? It's very common for people to just give a you know really, really quick answer, like fine. But if you say to someone, how's your mental health? You're reminding them that it matters. You're reminding them that you are someone who does care and they can actually share it with you. And you're reminding them to check in on themselves about it. So that's kind of like the framework. Like, how's my mental health? We should say it to ourselves every day and throughout the day. You know, do I need anything? It's not just about physical health. If our back is hurting, it's very clear to us and we'll change our posture. We might, you know, pop a med. Um, but like mental health, we often just ignore it. We just push through. And there's something healthy in some of that adaptation and flexibility, but then there's something not healthy in us undermining it, ignoring it and dismissing it because then it persists, it exists, you know? It doesn't just go away, we have to go in and through. That's the way, we, you know, transcend, go in and through. So that's what this really brings us back to. So just keep doing that work and also try to model that for everyone. I mean, it really does start in the home, but also in the friend circle. If you start talking about these things to your friends, hey, here's how I'm starting to focus more on my mental health. Here's what I'm doing more of, here's what I'm doing less of. It challenges them, it inspires them. Do that at home, do that at work, do that in the classroom, do that with friends. I would love teachers and professors to start talking about that. Here's how we can practice self-care while getting through this course. Sometimes things come up in your life where you do need an extension or you need an alternative option. Provide that, that's called being mental health centered and also trauma informed. Why would you not wanna offer that? It can't be the same for everyone. Everyone has different needs. Everyone has different things going on in their lives. Everyone shows up in the classroom having come from a different home environment. Truly, if the child's tired, don't yell at them. Think maybe they were kept, kept awake from their parents fighting or their parents' drug addiction or something else happening. So we, we wanna be more mental health informed and, and think what might the mental health need be in this moment or what might've happened that impacted them that way. We can't just be so obsessed with the physical only. So nothing else, that's what I wanna uh, walk away with from and learn in this. Um, all right, uh, we are gonna take a break in a minute. And when we come back though, we'll be doing some DMs. So uh, just a reminder, DMs, they are on our Loveline IG page, and uh, we want to hear from you. Anything you've got a question about, we're always happy to answer. It could be about anything under the uh, mental health rubric, which is about body, it's about gender, sexuality, mental health, relationships, work stuff, family stuff. So, you know, put it in there. Anything you're worrying about, someone else might be as well. So you're getting your, you know, your needs met and helping someone else too. And starting and normalizing really important conversation. Um, there's something very activistic in a lot of these questions that we answer and how we approach them. Uh, and then also you can check out past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. There they all are. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. 
uh, really important stuff back there. And it's important for a lot of this to have repetition, you know, circling back, taking notes, putting it into practice, making it yours, internalizing it, really becoming that person. So take that stuff seriously. I try to put stuff on my uh, social media, my IGs at Dr. Donahue, just tips and tricks, things to, you know, challenge a lot of the things that we hear otherwise. So, you know, that's really serious. Take that seriously. Um, but we want to hear from you. So anything you want us to talk about, circle back to drop into deeper, let us know. Otherwise though, we'll be back and we'll be hitting those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around y'all because we'll be right back. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. On the Odyssey. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to uh, slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, I met this guy online. We are pretty compatible so far. However, every time I try to bring up sex, what I like, what my ideas are, he's pretty short in his responses. Makes him uncomfortable, I think. Is there a less scary way to talk about sex or to make it more comfortable when I'm talking about it? Well, first off, props to you for not backing off. The work around discomfort with something is learning how to encounter it more, get more familiar and get more comfortable. So if someone is uncomfortable around discussing sex, we have to talk about it more, but we don't want to flood them or overwhelm them. We're not trying to make it something that's unsettling. So we don't come in hot. We start small. We start slow but you start being more transparent talking about sexuality. He's probably raised in a sexually anxious or sex negative culture or family, I should say, because the culture is that way for all of us. But his family was very negative or anxious. It's understandable. This is very unfamiliar to him. Probably also then moved into a social group where a lot of people didn't confidently or openly talk about sex. Some people also think it's unseemly, you know, wife material, a good woman or good man never talks about that. There's nothing wrong with sex. There's nothing wrong talking about sex. We need to be talking about it openly and with a full volume. We shouldn't be dropping our voices, doing it secretly, whispering it. That's stupid. I want to live in a world where if I can bump my knee at Whole Foods and say I hurt my knee loudly, I can bump my penis on something and say, oh, I just hurt my penis. It's body parts. We infuse them with all this energy. They're just body parts. We make them scary. They're not. And if we can't talk about sex, we can't communicate. We can't set boundaries. We can't protect ourselves. It's what we learn in the studies. Children that aren't raised in sex positive families, children that are raised in families where sex is taught to be bad, they delay sex, but they still have it. And when they have it, they have higher rates of STDs and SDIs, teen pregnancy and sexual assaults. Why? Because they have no idea how to deal with, talk about or encounter sex. They have no idea how to negotiate. They have no idea what consent is. They have no idea how to ask for or participate in sexual health practices. This is not something that's inborn or innate. Sex is not natural by any means. It's completely socially constructed. What we do it, how we do it, how we feel about it, where we do it. 
That's what we're all caught up in and mirrored in and we're trying to alleviate that. So this person's probably a product of that culture. So you don't wanna flood them or overwhelm them, but you do need to talk about it calmly, confidently. That's the work. So maybe don't start at a 60, which is you just drop in hints around the things you like. Maybe just start to talk about sex in a more generalized way. I would even bring it up as a topic. What kind of relationship do you have to sex, you might say? How is it mentioned in your family? What does it feel like when I bring it up? Get this person to just share their experience of the topic before we even get to who they are sexually, which most likely they probably have no idea because they're probably not very sexually experienced. We have to reach sexual developmental milestones and we do that by dating a lot and having a lot of sex. Sex is a skill. You can't be a good chef without cooking a lot and learning about ingredients. Sex is the same way. The more sex we have, the more knowledgeable we are about our sexual selves and the more confident we are. We should be having a lot of sex. We should be having a lot of relationships, learning all those skills. It does, us a, it, it's not, it does it to our detriment when we hold back from that. We need to learn better sexual health practices, boundaries, communication, learning who we are and what we like. That's the work. It's fascinating that this is the one element of human nature and psychology that we still culturally have so much anxiety about and shame about. We drop our voice, we change the, the words. We need to do the opposite, more sex positivity, more comfort, more confidence. Otherwise we raise people struggling in the ways we're talking about. So you're gonna kind of set the tone and you're gonna kind of guide them. It's kind of where we're at, you know? We don't really have a choice in that, so step into that. But you don't wanna flood or overwhelm. So that's the key point I wanna keep driving home. Some people, they go too fast, too hard, and they flood and they overwhelm and they can even traumatize. I'm not trying to do that. When someone's not comfortable or familiar with something, we ease in. We don't just throw them in the pool and teach them to learn how to swim. That actually traumatizes people. And if they don't figure it out, they will have further ingrained and strengthened an anxiety around it because they aren't being taught that they have competence in that area. So that's why we don't just throw people into difficult situations. We ease in, we talk about it first, we plan it out, we discuss possibilities. So go slow. Bring it up slowly, but I also want you to ask them what their experience is of that topic, how they feel about it, how do they feel when you bring it up. That's important stuff to know. All right, y'all, great question. That is our show. DMs come from our Loveline IG page in the DMs. So if you've got a question for us, topic you want us to cover, something you want us to circle back to, drop them in the DMs. Otherwise, wearechannelq.com is where you go to check out past episodes of the show. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. They're all there. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out, and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 